Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Happy New Year, and thanks for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Or in this case, mornings without Carmen. Hi, I'm Paul Perot, Carmen's producer. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us on this first day of January, first day of 2024. And yeah, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Carmen and I are both actually taking the day off. We'll be back tomorrow with new conversations as we help you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. Now, as we flip the calendar to 2024, do you have a motto like, New Year, New Me? Got any resolutions? Plans to take your health more seriously? That's good. You want to do what you can for your body. But what about your soul and your spirit? Are you concerned about its health, its renewal? If you are a follower of Jesus, well, Jesus is concerned about renewal of your heart. As a matter of fact, he's already done so. Our Growing Your Faith verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone the new life has begun. I remember those verses as some of the first ones I memorized as a young believer using the Navigator's topical memory system to help memorize Bible verses. It's helpful as a new believer to understand that in Christ, he's made us new. And it's meant to encourage us to trust what Jesus has accomplished and what the Spirit is doing in our lives. God does something amazing in our conversion He, by the Holy Spirit, grants us new life. And it's a life that is a real life. And it's one that is part of God's design for us. It has been from the beginning. There's a quote from a Dutch theologian I really like. It's Herman Bavik's name. And he says, conversion is turning back to God, but at the same time coming to oneself, realizing, hey, this is what I was made for, to be in communion with God. Humanity has turned away from God, did so at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. Now, Adam and Eve thought, hey, we'll go our own way, we'll ignore God, and this will bring us life and freedom. But look at the Bible and everything that's happened since. What did it lead to? It led to misery, it led to brokenness, and it's led to so much death. But thanks to God, thanks through Jesus, we have new life. The new has begun, but that leads to a big question. What is this new life, and what is its direction? That's the thing about life. It's not static. It's not just really pretty and just kind of stays there. It moves, it grows, and with God, it has a purpose. I want to switch us. We were looking at the uh, New Living Translation. I want to switch us to the ESV because it really jumps out. Because in the verses around verse 17, there are this rapid fire of therefore statements, which is really cool. It seems to be one of Paul's favorite words because if something is true— Therefore, it applies to this. Therefore, it applies to that. And he's doing that here. Let's start at verse 11 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because there's one of those therefores. Therefore, knowing the fear of God, we persuade persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Okay, I want to do a bit of a pause here, because Paul was dealing with a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. The way they thought, the the things they valued, especially ministry leaders— 
there were some people back then, I guess you could say they were calling themselves super apostles. They, they felt themselves better than Paul, and we should follow their ways, which tended to be very glitzy and, to be honest, very fleshly. And Paul and his teams, well, they weren't very glitzy, not at all. These super apostles, and for that matter, the Corinthian church, yes, believers, but they didn't see the ways of the world for what they were. And what they were involved with was leading to misery, brokenness, death. Okay, let's jump to verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't want to deal with those fleshly things. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Because, you know, you look at Christ, not glitzy. Dying on a cross, not glitzy at all. Okay, but here we go. Verse 17. Actually, in the Greek, or at least in the ESV, which reflects the Greek, there's that therefore word, therefore. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. If you're going for the new, therefore, don't look at that past stuff. But he continues from there. Because, yes, he's given us new life, but what is it for? What are we to do with this new life, which leads to further life? Let's go to verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Hey, we're brought on board to do something really cool. Again, expanding his kingdom, bringing other people in to be reconciled so they can have life in Jesus. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Yeah, I know the world can be dirty, but we're called, hey, welcome, come on in, come on in, find life. Verse 20, here we go again, another therefore statement. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the job of the ambassador here. And what is this reconciliation? Verse 21, for our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. He wants you to, he wants not just to clean your slate. He's doing that. He's giving you, he's, he's paying for your sin. But he's also, through his spirit, giving you new life, reconciling us with God, bringing us back into communion. We are called to something huge, to be ambassadors of that message. What do ambassadors do? They represent the interests and the values of the kingdom or country they come from to a foreign land, to a foreign people. Are you doing that with your life? Where where does God have you? In your circles, are you being that minister of reconciliation in your family? in your workplace, in your community. It's truly a way to live out the life you've been given that impacts others as you tell them about Jesus and the message of reconciliation and then living out the values of that kingdom. All right, well, that brings up another question. What are those values? We'll we'll try and tackle that later on this morning. I I had a conversation this past year that'll help us understand those values we are to be living out by the Spirit. I'll give you a hint, though, right here. <laughs> it, uh, you'll find it in Galatians 5. Hope you stay with me for that conversation. Well, this is the best of mornings without Carmen on this New Year's Day. And as we flip the calendar into 2024, not too many hours ago, to move forward, it helps to know where we've been and where we are. 
And so I'm going to spend time today looking back. It's 2023 with some of the conversations I had recently. And one of those was a conversation around the top theological stories of this past year of 2023. Colin Hansen will join me shortly from the Gospel Coalition here on Faith Radio. Well, again, good morning. This is Mornings with Carmen for this Thursday. I'm Paul, and it's, you know, you've heard of, like, America's Top 40, Casey Kasem or Ryan Seacrest, depending on which edition, you know, counting them down. Well, I think there should be a Theological Top Stories with Colin Hansen. That would be kind of cool, right, Colin? You've got a year to work on it, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like the idea. <laughs> anyway, Colin Hansen, who is the uh, vice president of uh, content and uh, also editor-in-chief for the Gospel Coalition, which is a website I frequent quite a bit. A lot of good insights there. And you got great, uh, you got a great team there, Colin, at the Gospel Coalition. Yeah, we do. We're very, very blessed working with a lot of great folks. And, and uh, we need the help because, as you can see, with the top theological stories this year, it was a it was a zany year in a lot of ways. <laughs> Tough year, but God was also at work. Yes, he was. Now, let's back up. Now, you've been doing these uh, top 10 lists for the last, uh, boy, what's 2008 you started, right? Yeah, 15 years or so, yeah. back when I was at Christianity Today magazine and continuing on through my whole tenure at uh, the Gospel Coalition. Oh, well, as we look at the list, I, I don't think we'll have time to hit all 10 <clears throat> of them. Uh, among the issues there... Um, uh, number nine on your list was pro-life movement regroups after electoral setbacks. Now, again, when you look at these, it's not just news for news sake. You're looking right. at this from the – you're putting on a theological lens and trying to find the scriptural and biblical significance. So talk about Yeah, that's exactly right. So when – yeah, so when it comes to the pro-life movement, we can look at the electoral results, especially that came in the fall, and they were not great in a lot of different ways. But the bigger question is younger generations don't seem to really understand the essence of what it means to be pro-life. That's, a, that's an issue, a theological issue of the Imago Dei, something that is revealed to all people, that God is our creator, and that he creates us in our image. That's a view, of course, that we see right there near the beginning of Genesis. And so that's the theological challenge for us as Christians to be able to help everybody to see that. And the electoral victories, that's what follows. But electoral losses are showing us that not nearly as many people as we need to are seeing that truth from Scripture. So we really, this is one of those calls on your part, I think, by highlighting this. We need to be more more intentional about communicating the Imago Dei. Yeah, I think especially with the younger generations, the statistics there are are not very great. And, and I think in a lot of ways, we've been so politically focused on overturning Roe that once over, Roe was overturned, thought, oh, wow, okay, now we've really done something here, praise God. Well, that's true. I, I mentioned in there, there were tens of thousands fewer abortions this year in these states where they've passed laws banning abortions. But at the same time, you can see that the general public sentiment is not with us especially younger generations. That's, I think, where our attention needs to turn. Okay, number eight on your list, and I I'm, I was surprised you put this at number eight, the death of Tim Keller back on May 19th. Now, the reason I was surprised because Tim Keller was more than just a, a theological figure to you. He, um, he's, he was a friend. He was a mentor. Yeah. He was, you know, he helped found the Gospel Coalition. So, but still... What an impact he had on on people's lives. Just amazing. And and I think 
there are a few instances where a major evangelical figure will pass and probably the only one that we've seen on that scale in our lifetimes in recent memory has been Billy Graham. Uh, Christianity Today did commemorative issues for both of those men and I contribute to, contributed to both of those and they were similar in a lot of different ways in terms of their global reach and their faithfulness, their humility, but they were so different. Um, and one of the, but one of the ways they were similar is that their character shown even very clearly with non-Christians and even clearly at the highest levels of influence in the world. And that's where the response to Tim Keller's death was really, really stood out was just how many different people across the spectrum politically across the spectrum with with the church and and even in mainstream media just testified to his character. I briefly I spoke at Bucknell University this fall, which is where his alma mater. Oh, and we right. did an event with Mako Fujimura, who was also uh, you know a good friend of, of Tim's, is on the board there. The president was there, the board was there. We spent 90 minutes just testifying to the work of Jesus Christ and his grace evident in Tim's life because he'd actually converted at Bucknell as well. That's, right. That's the kind of doors that God opened through Tim's life, even after his death. It's amazing to me because looking at his life, he, he never really strived, from what I could tell, yeah. to be a big influencer. He was just trying to be faithful, and he, he was kept faithful in the little things that just kept growing and growing. And again, he wasn't seeking to be, I guess the modern term is influencer, but man— lives he's influenced yeah well and i think part of it paul is simply personality i mentioned billy graham earlier billy graham could have been president could have been a senator could have been a movie star he's a very charismatic figure Mm -hmm. tim was not (laughs) that's just not his personality he would describe himself more of like that high school nerd you know he was the marching band guy the trumpet player all that kind of stuff and so he didn't take naturally to that it is a deeply, deeply thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. And I think that spirituality and that thoughtfulness is what comes through in his books and in his sermons. And I think will continue to for, I pray, decades to come. <sighs> Again, this, you have a top 10 list. I don't know if we're going to get through much. Of it. We'll do what we can. <laughs> we'll do what we can. But uh, again, I'm Paul. This is Colin Hansen with me from the Gospel Coalition, looking at the top 10 theological news stories of 2023. When we continue, I think next... I want to look at high-profile atheists becoming Christians because that has happened quite a bit. A lot of news items around that this year. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. How good are you? You feeling good? You doing good? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Goodness is the character of God and the work of God, but we don't always feel so good, do we? I mean— Are you good? You feeling good? You doing good? Maybe you have a sense that you need some healing, that you desire some wholeness. Our friend Susie Larson has a new book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God, 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness, and we'd like for you to have a copy. Faith Radio is giving away 100 copies of Susie's new book, and we'd like for you to have one. So enter to win yours now at MyFaithRadio.com. We want to know the goodness of God all the time. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul, hosting today and tomorrow. She'll be back in on Monday with the new year coming. 
I we again urge you, be in God's Word deeply. That's why if you go to MyFaithRadio.com, we have not one but several different reading guides, reading plans for getting through the Scripture in a year. We want God's Word in you so you can bring it to your world and into your life, into your family's life. Again, get in God's Word in 2024. Bible in Year reading plans, you can find several at MyFaithRadio.com. Let's continue our conversation with Colin Hansen as we look at the theological top stories of 2023. I'm sticking on that, uh, Colin. you got to do this every year. I thought that's, that's pretty good. It's actually getting better every time you do it, Paul. So just keep doing it. <laughs> well, maybe I can... Keep reaching. Keep reaching for the stars. Yeah, but I got to keep my feet on the ground here. Uh, you, now, if we do this, you got to find a good catchphrase at the end, like Casey Kasem used to do. There we go. We'll keep working until we see, keep looking until we see God working. That's okay, what we'll do. We'll That'll do that. Our catchphrase. Okay. Okay, All that's right. the catchphrase. Well, let's look at number six on your uh, your list of your top ten theological stories and high profile atheists becoming Christians, including one just last month that kind of blew people away. Yeah, I and Hersey Lee, that's definitely the big headline there. You're talking here about someone whose background, of course, is Muslim um, and major, major spokeswoman of the new atheism of that sort of post 9-11 period, the mid 2000s. One of the main people helping with those four horsemen of the new atheism, supporting them, talking about how religion poisons everything. She writes this year, hey, I'm now a Christian. And the interesting focus that she gave, which I think kind of carries through a lot of the other interests in spirituality, is her recognition that this thing we call Western civilization has been created by Christianity. But as the West turns away from Christianity, we seem to be losing our grasp on those things that made the civilization what we all enjoy. And so she recognized, well, wow. You really can't have the good things, the fruit of the civilization without the root of Christianity. Mm -hmm. So she went back and investigated the roots. So that's her story. There were a couple others as well, but that's the big theological angle on a really major story this year. It was. uh, Kat Von Z, the uh, artist, was one. And then I I think I remember an interview you had with Molly Worthen. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. A professor of American evangelical history at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, really um, had announced she had been baptized at J.D. Greer's church in North Carolina. Uh, Tim Keller had helped to helped her to investigate the claims of Christ, talked through a lot of apologetic issues with her. Her story is just so fascinating. She'd spent decades studying evangelicals before finally J.D. Greer, when she's interviewing him one day, he just says, you know, she says something like, I wish I had the faith that you guys had. And J.D. says, well, you can and then start to talk her through that. But yeah, just a I mean, kind of story you just do not see very often. And I think recognition of a broader trend, especially of these high profile women finding the, the claims of Christ to be spiritually and existentially compelling and just really a positive news story from this year. That an amazing story. And there's been other people talking about that. There's some uh, writers and apologists over in England talking about these. I, right. we, we actually have talked about a few of these. Anyway, next on the list, this one is huge too. Number five, de-churching trends defy expectations. Yeah. So I think we kind of all knew going into 2023 that there'd been a major decline in the church. 2023, especially with the book by my colleagues, um, Michael Graham and Jim Davis, The Great Dechurching, we realized 
40 million Americans have left the church in the last 25 to 30 years. It's the largest, most rapid change in religion in American history. Well, there's a lot of things you could point to, and I bet everybody listening now can say, oh, I bet it's because of liberal theology. I bet it's because of politics. I bet it's because of abuse in the church. To a certain extent, all of those things are true. But what defied expectations this year is that the main reasons people give for leaving the church are actually mundane. There are reasons like, I moved. And actually, most of these people say, I would come back to church if somebody invited me. So just because these 40 million Americans have left doesn't mean they're unwilling to come back. That's what defies the expectations. They're not a bunch of hardened atheists like, you know, you were just we were just talking about right there, or the kind of people that Justin Briarly writes about in his book and in his podcast and things like that. Now they're really just normal people, your neighbors, and they might have moved, something might have changed in their lives, they might have had a divorce or something like that. They've just kind of fallen out of the habit of church. They don't know much about it, they don't go very often. Just an invitation and you walking them through it could be decisive in their lives. That was the big, big angle that I that I saw in this trend mm, this yeah. year. Well, again, Colin Hansen's my guest right now here on Mornings with Carmen and looking through the top theological stories, top 10 theological stories of 2023. Okay, we only have like about five more minutes here. And actually, <laughs> not even that. Let me just go through the top, the rest of the top five. Number four, Gen yeah. Z shows signs of spiritual revival. Number three, activists seek to change theology of sexuality from within Christian communities. Number two, chat GPT, which has only been out since yeah. November 20th of last year, but thrills yeah. and frightens tech futurists. And then number one, Hamas attacks on Israel's uh, Israeli military and civilians receives unexpected support. Okay, which which one of those do you want to grab onto? Because they're all worthy of a significant conversation. Well, we might as well just start with one, and we'll see where we go from there. Okay. You know, I think it's last year, of course, was Ukraine, and no surprise there. This year, no surprise that it would be Hamas's attack. You know, when you're having back-to-back years talking about the first thing since 1945, that's bad. Last year, first land war in Europe since 1945. This year, largest massacre of Jews since 1945. It's, it's bad. You know, the theological angle here, of course, is that Christians have widely differing views on God's purposes of that land. And as you've heard in a lot of the controversies of response and support from Hamas, you see it in the in the mottos and the slogans that people chant, you know, from the from the sea to the river, you know, Palestine will be free, things like that. The rivers of the sea, Palestine will be free, that kind of stuff. Those are references to that land, of course. And so we did a forum at the Gospel Coalition. Others have just discussed what is God's ongoing purpose with that land. But I think, Paul, the bigger question actually relates to that support for Hamas. And I think mm-hmm. people have been surprised saying, I don't really understand what is it about this brutal murder of innocent men, women, and children that would actually get that kind of support. But it's really because strange identity mixture that you find in a lot of schools where oppression is seen as paramount and any kind of oppression is linked to one another. Thus, people who in the United States feel oppressed for, say, some sexual reason would unite with people in Palestine who might feel oppressed for some political reason. And that oppression becomes then a, uh, an alibi for them to be able to advocate violent means of overturning what they believe to be oppression. 
But I think the key here is that we're seeing way more people, even on the left wing, denounce that view than we have seen in the last decade as yeah. this view has taken on a lot more prominence. So it's a little bit of a complicated story, especially, you know, here on early on early in the workday, early in the morning to talk about. But it is a, it has major, major consequences for how you know, how we think about these big ideas. And that's why it rose to number one for me this year. Yeah. And it's one of those, again, I, I was, I forgot who we were talking about yesterday, but I heard a speech where a guy basically said, sometimes these mid-range theories, and you're talking about the critical theory type reasoning, yeah, right. these mid-range theories that can explain some things right, are misused to explain all things. And that causes problems. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And so there's a book that I'd mentioned called The Identity Trap. It's lit, written by a left-wing Jewish man, and he's criticizing those views. And he shows you how the views of intersectionality, critical race theory, they start with sort of having a basic insight that is difficult to argue against. Intersectionality, for example, is simply that being Black is one difficulty, being a woman is another difficulty. You combine them, that's a new difficulty. That's not complicated for people to understand. You can see that. But then all of a sudden it becomes, well, because I'm concerned about homosexuality in the United States, therefore I'm in favor of the Palestinian cause in Israel. Well, wait a minute. How are those two things supposed to be linked together? Well, intersectionality, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think Hamas really ripped the mask off a lot of that. And it's become in look, what you've been, everybody's been seeing in the news about these university presidents that is what I'm talking about. That mm-hmm. is the situation that led to that and why there's such a backlash. Okay. Well, I want to point people to the gospelcoalition.org and find uh, Colin Hansen's top 10 theological news stories of 2023. Colin, thank you for, again, continuing to do this. And it, it, is, it is good food for thought. It, it, it's helpful to think back over the year as we get ready to go into a new year because we it helps it helps to know where God has been what has happened as we prepare to see where God takes us so again Colin thank hey. you so much Amen. Thanks, Paul. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Well, this is Mornings with Carmen. And yeah, people, again, breaking down the news stories like they do, or actually, think about it, the People's Choice Award nominees are on Golden Globes celebrating various actors and musicians and their accomplishments. Then we get other lists, lists that are not as celebratory, like those nations and those entities that persecute our Christian brothers and sisters and others. We talked with Jeff King before. He's the president of International Christian Concern, and he's going to join us again as we look back on 2023 and think about the top persecutors of the year. Again, I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Well, again, I'm Paul. Thank you for joining me as I fill in for Carmen this week on uh, Mornings with Carmen. Well, we just talked to Colin Hansen looking at the top theological stories. And, you know, sometimes you read those and go, okay, they're important. They resonate with us. But in some ways, they're kind of like first world problems. What about the top 10 lists or the top lists for those of our brothers and sisters who are not in the first world? They're in the third world or other parts of the world where they're facing persecution because of their faith. Joining me now is Jeff King. He's the president of International Christian Concern. Jeff, thank you for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. 
Paul, it's a pleasure to be with you. It is. And every year you guys put out a list of the top persecutors of the year. Again, I'm looking at our brothers and sisters overseas when they'd love to have our problems. <laughs> That's a great way to say it, Paul. I, I appreciate that comment. Yeah, uh, you know, because I, I always say to the Christians in the West, you know, we're starting to see persecution. It's the early stages. There's a whole bunch of propaganda that, you know, the populace has been softened up with, if you get that term. Um, and it causes people to hate. It causes division and causes hatred and it dehumanizes. But that's all, you know, what we're seeing is some name calling and hatred and job discrimination. But yeah, when we're dealing with serious persecution, you got to look overseas. Uh, <clears throat> and that's where the body of Christ uh, will be beaten, the church is destroyed, uh, you know, arrested, tortured, murdered, just the whole spectrum. It's it's really the worst of humanity on display in terms of the persecutors. Yeah. And now you put out your annual list, the top persecutors of the year. And it's amazing because a lot of the, there's a lot of other lists like this. Open Doors has something. And a lot of mm -hmm. times it focuses on the countries. Not that you don't do that, but you dig deeper than that and look at some of the various groups and movements and individuals who are doing it too. But let's start with the countries because looking at it, we, we hear about things like Iran or China because, you know, we do a lot of interacting as, as a nation of the U.S. with China and such. The top ones on your list are not ones we often think about as Americans, like Nigeria. But you have that at tip top of your list as far as countries. Tell us about that. Well, we do. Uh, and first of all, thank you for the comments, because there, there's a heck of a lot of work that goes into this thing. Uh, but we're trying to create a resource for, you know, people like you guys and people on Capitol Hill, um, because it's a complex subject. But with Nigeria, you know, so few Christians understand this. Everyone thinks, oh, North Korea, right? And absolutely horrible place. It's hell on earth. But in Nigeria, for the last 20 years, uh, Muslim terrorists have killed probably about a hundred thousand mm. christians now that's and that's just the ones killed and how many maimed uh but here's the even bigger eye-popping number three and a half million christian farmers have been pushed off their land it's a massive massive kind of cloaked jihad it's a slow-moving genocide and so you know nigeria comes to washington year after year and and paul here's here's the conversation gosh this is this is such a tough thing we're dealing with. These are this is some kind of tit for tat war between Christians and Muslims, and and you know these the fighters are out in the bush and we can't find them and blah blah blah. And and Washington typically has said, oh my gosh, and and then always it's Paul. Here's what's happened. Hey gosh, if you could send us more money uh, for arms, we could probably go after these guys. Um, you know, and that doesn't cut it. Imagine in in the states in the last twenty years where. Uh, let's say on scale, you know, 400,000 Christians had been murdered on farms, you know, out in middle America. And the government kept saying, gosh, it's so hard to find these guys. We can't find where these killers are. It, you know, it's that's where it's like, wake up. What's going on is that the radical Islamists are in the government. They're in the army. Uh, they're in the police. Uh, they're just all the way saturated. And so there's a game going on that they're allowed to continue. That's mm. the simple, that's the simple truth of it. Yeah, we don't see that. And again, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Okay. Also on the list, when it comes to countries, number two and three, North Korea, which you had just referred to, and yeah. then also 
a lot of people don't think about this, India. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if we have time, you mentioned Iran. If we have time, I'd love to just talk about Iran too. Okay. But let's talk about North Korea. So, I, uh, you know, if people are familiar with persecution, they they understand the broad strokes of what's going on. Um, you know, you've got here's here's a little backstory to what's going on in North Korea. So, first of all, hardly anybody knows there was a massive, massive breakout of Christianity, massive revival. Uh, of Christianity in Korea. Really? So at, at the time, there was only Korea. There wasn't a North and South. That mm-hmm. happened in World War II. Um, so there was a, there was a long 100, 200 year uh, history of missionaries going in. The Lord is sending in missionaries that are Catholic and evangelical and they're getting killed. Massive Catholic persecutions. Uh, and then around the 1900s, a massive revival. Now, so many Christians came to Christ. This was known as the Jerusalem of the of the East. Mm. That's what they called Korea. Uh, and so then you think about, you know, you always hear that we're, we're in a war spiritually. So Satan notices and he attacks. And the Japanese came in and they conquered Korea. Uh, and the whole thing was the Japanese had an emperor who was God. So they had to, they persecuted Christians. And then the Kim dynasty started after World War II. So all of these crushing blows to the church, one after the other. So if the Japanese were bad, they had nothing on, you know, the, the, the dynasty that came in. The Kims were brutal. These were Marxists. These were communists. And they massacred probably, if we look back at all the Christians they've killed, it's probably near a million. And this is where Christians are thrown into concentration camps. And not just one. If you're, if you're a real Christian, they find out who you really are. They're going to put your parents in prison. They're going to put your kids in prison. And and usually the, the most uh, dangerous one is killed, but all of you go into concentration camps and you don't come out. It's a one-way door. Mm-hmm. So, and here's, a, here's kind of how I sum up uh, North Korea personally. You know, I've done, I've done so many interviews with defectors. And I remember one man telling me, sitting across from the table, I was, I was talking to him and he didn't know the Lord. And he was a uh, he was a defector who was a fairly high up uh, believer in the system. And then the system turned on him. And he said to this day, what they did to him, he said it was so horrible and terrifying. He says to this day, when he goes to sleep every night, he has to have loud music in headphones blaring into his ears mm. to keep demons at bay. So what's going on there is a little bit beyond understanding in terms of normal life but it's just it's just satan at work and it's his little kingdom but it will fall that's the only thing i want to remind people of it will fall god's bride is in there mm. She'll, and he'll get her back i love that angle that uh, that you're bringing about here because oftentimes you look at these lists and we just kind of sit back and go okay what can yes. i do and and mm. we we don't we don't remember God has a bigger plan in all this. His kingdom mm. is coming. And therefore, we the Lord's Prayer has it right in there. Lord, your kingdom come. Yes. And we should be praying that. And we, we should look at North Korea. We should look at India and all these other enti- you know, countries and then the various entities you have in there. And just pray, hey, your kingdom come. And, I mean, on your list of individuals, you, we're just talking Korea, North Korea, Kim Jong-un. Are we praying for him to feel the power of the gospel? Are we doing that? Absolutely. 
So. Absolutely. And even your bigger point, Paul, you know, it took me so many years. And, and you think about, I've done this for 20 some years. And so uh, this, this isn't about me when I say this, but just think about in my position, how many reports of the decimation of believers, the decimation of the church, the destruction, the horror, you're just seeing Satan everywhere attacking. And, you know, for me, I really struggled. I look in scriptures, I say, I know the church is victorious in the end, Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, how do we get there? And then it took a long time. And then I began to see, and Paul, I say the simple answer is this, look back in church history and anything we're facing, even when believers are frightened in, you know, in the United States, anything we're facing, it's all happened before. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. Church has always had a gun to its head. It's always had a knife to its throat and it can't be stopped. And that's not because we're amazing. You know, you and I and the rest <laughs> of us, we're just plodding along when somehow God uses us, little old us. That's the church. But the, the power of the church is his Holy Spirit and it's a heaven sent thing. You know, the Lord sent down the Holy Spirit. And that was D-Day. That was mm -hmm. Pentecost. And that was the Holy Spirit. And that is what is reforming. The river of God is going out and, and filling the earth. And Satan is enraged and he's attacking. But nothing, nothing new under the sun in, in terms of what we're seeing. So people should be encouraged. Okay. Jeff King is our guest right now here on Mornings with Carmen. Jeff is president of the International Christian Concern. We can continue talking through... I don't know if we're going to get to much else, uh, Jeff. We'll see what we can do. But because these entries on your uh, top per persecutors of the year list are, are worthy of being talked about and then yeah. calling us to prayer, too. But we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with One Child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. So are you praying for our brothers and sisters overseas, but also praying, God, your kingdom come and let it be felt in their lives. Hey, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen again this week here on Faith Radio. And, and Jeff King of International Christian Concern is our guest going through some of the top persecutors of the year. Not a, not a very nice list to go through as we reflect back on 2023, Jeff, but I think very important. And, okay, I'm remembering something your good friend, our good friend, uh, Karen Ellis, will often say, you know, they persevered. She And, and you are in that same boat where you're looking at the perseverance of not the saints as in some theological concept, but actually seeing them persevere under great difficulty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I'm, go ahead, Paul. Did you, did you have another part of that? Well, no, no. I was, I was just thinking because we were, time is limited. We wanted yeah. to talk about India. Yes. That sounds great. Yeah. And <laughs> that is a great point with the perseverance of the saints in India. You know, in India, heart, most Christians don't know uh, India is led by a gentleman, Prime Minister Modi. 
He is a radical Hindu. His uh, political party, the BJP, these are radical Hindus. These are Brahmins. If you think of the hierarchical system of Hinduism, they sit at the very top of the heap. And the masses, the the untouchables, to use an old term, are, are coming to Christ. And they know this, and it really upsets the order. And they are absolutely intent on strangling Christianity. Now, here's the trick, though. Modi is a very smart politician, and he's a world politician, so he keeps his mouth shut. You won't hear him say anything direct about Christianity. His job is to say nothing. After attack after attack after attack, he says nothing. And his leaders in the political party and the state you know, leaders, they will spew all kinds of anti-Christian hatred and urge their followers to attack Christians really, really nasty stuff. It's really surprising when you read the language. Um, but so they are intent on, and they're working a number of strategies to strangle the church. Uh, it's not going to work and it's going to, it's going to create more Christians. He doesn't get it yet because he's <laughs> like most dictators, but that's kind of the quick story in India. Okay. And then actually one of the big people in India, you have it on your individuals. You're going to have to help me with the pronunciation, Yogi, uh, Oh, man, don't catch me this early in the morning trying to do that. (laughs) It's a BJP leader, and he's uh, the leader of uh, one of the biggest states, maybe even the biggest. But he's one of those gentlemen I mentioned. So he's a state leader in the BJP. So, uh, you know, he's like a Republican or a Democrat leader, but the leader of a state, you know, in terms of the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he's out there spewing hatred and and urging, you know, basically his followers uh, and winking at him, saying, basically, nothing's going to happen. You can attack the Christians. And so that's what happens. So the followers go out and they interrupt church service. They go in and beat followers. They beat the pastor. I can show you these videos. You'd be amazed. And they're just, mm. the Christians are getting smacked and beaten, beaten with sticks, literally broken. Uh, and then the police come in and, and Paul, I'm going to give you one guess who gets arrested typically. Yeah. The ones being beaten, the Christians. Strange, isn't it? Amazing yeah. how it works. It's amazing how that works. It doesn't seem like justice to me, um, but that's kind of that's kind of the thumbnail sketch of India. Okay, we, let's start moving to the Middle East because I know our focus has been a lot on that yeah. in the recent weeks since uh, the early part of October. And okay, we think about Hamas, and then there's Hezbollah, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. oftentimes are at the behest. They work as extensions of Iran, which is another one of the countries mm-hmm. on your top list. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think which angle to take because I, I always want to talk about Iran. It's such a fascinating story. Um, so, but in, in the Middle East, I think what's forgotten is that there's still Christians left in yes. Gaza, and there's about 800 Christians left in Gaza, and they're suffering like everybody else. And and when we talk about things, when we talk about this situation. You know, I, I just usually say everybody's hair is on fire politically. You can't, there's no more discourse anymore. There's no more polite conversation. Mm-hmm. So anything I say is not a, it's not a political statement. I look at these things through spiritual eyes and, and I see this intractable situation between Hamas and Israel and, and, um, you know, I don't, I get both of their perspectives. Um, and yet, you know, what we are forgetting is those believers that are on the ground and of course, they're suffering, you know, it's like, and suffering at a terrible degree. And so again, no political statement, but they're, they're crying out. 
And you think about what happens when you go through deep, deep suffering. There's a couple things, but, you know, right now they're crying out and they're wondering, you know, some of them are wondering, where's the Lord in all this? You know, and that's what happens when we go into deep suffering. It's just a painful uh, thing. Uh, And the Lord, actually, I write about a lot. The Lord has a process and all this and what he's trying to do. But in the meantime, we just need to pray for these guys and, and wrap our arms around them in love. And say, we, we are here, we hear you, we love you, we know your pain. That's a tremendous encouragement for them. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we, have, we have about a minute left, Jeff, and I sure. I want you to, this was just recently posted on persecution.org, which, by the way, if you're wondering how to get this report we've been talking about, go to persecution.org and you can download the report from there. But there's also the story, since we're looking at the Middle East, it's a story called A Mother's Faith, a story about Sarah. Can you? Sh- we have about a minute. Can you share that story? Yeah, well, Sarah is one of those believers in the Middle East, and I think she, I'm trying to think if she has lost some of her children. Um, and I, you know what, honestly, I better not try too hard. I think I'm going to mess it up. So I think I gave the broad strokes on, on Gaza mm-hmm. um, and what's going on with the believers there. But I know her her heart is breaking, and she's she, for me, really expresses that grief of the Christian that is in this situation uh, and just is, for me, is just a reminder to pray for these brothers and sisters. Definitely, definitely. Well, Jeff, thanks again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. I do want to point people to your book as well, not only persecution.org, but you have a book out called Islam Uncensored, 14 Leaders, Liberal, Conservatives, Muslim, Jews, Atheists, Christians, and a former CIA director reveal what the government and media won't tell you about Islam, and it's an eye-opening read. So I don't know if that's a good Christmas read, you know, since you have time <laughs> off, but uh, if you're interested in it, there you go. Um, I'm, I, you have a link at your website at Christian— uh, At uh, Do you have a link on your website about that book? You know uh, what? Uh, there's actually another one, Last Words of the Martyrs, but actually if people just email me. You can email me at jeff at persecution.org if you'd like a free copy of Last Words of the Martyrs. And I've got a new devotional that's coming out in just about two months. Mm, Okay. That sounds good. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Bless you, brother. Jeff King, again, from International Christian Concern. You can follow them at persecution.org, and they're also on the socials. And, yeah, get on their newsletter as well. Well, again, this is Mornings Without Carmen here on Faith Radio. I'm Paul. Thank you for joining me on this first day of the brand-new year of 2024. And, you know, we we spend time looking back at some of the top theological stories and the top persecutors of the Church you know, God is doing amazing things through people throughout the world. We talked about ambassadors. One of those ambassadors who this past year passed away is Joseph Chian. You probably have never heard of him. You'd have to be in Singapore or at least in the Far East to know him. He, he probably was the Billy Graham of the Eastern world. He passed away at the age of 56 in a road accident in Istanbul back on November 15th. And people said he went out the way he lived his life, serving the Lord. He had been on the way back from a week-long session leading YWAM discipleship training schools in a nearby country before taking a short break in Istanbul. But while riding in a taxi, he uh, unfortunately was in a road accident that took his life. I tell you, he had such an impact through YWAM Singapore. He also left YWAM earlier this past year, launching Antioch 21, which is a mobilized missionaries from Singapore to the nations. Again, I said he served like an ambassador to the world, proclaiming the kingdom values, that message of reconciliation. And 
I pray that God continues to lift people up to take his place in Singapore, and may it continue here as well, because we're in this together as a, as a community of ambassadors, as God's kingdom. Well, again, thank you for listening to Faith Radio. And okay, again this year, we're urging you, get into God's Word. As a matter of fact, if you go to MyFaithRadio.com, if you've never read through the Bible before, This might be a great year for you to start doing just that, reading through the Bible with us. As a matter of fact, we have a great reading program that a guide you can get at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll send you out the first several days, and then we'll send you out your own printed copy of the reading plan. Again, thank you for your support of Faith Radio, and again, you can find that reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com. Hour number two of Mornings with Carmen will be on the way in just a few moments. Okay, Riz, an authentic and hallucinate. Those were some of the words of the year for 2023 as we look back at this past year. Why did those words become so prominent? Well, Karen Swallow Pryor will help us think about that as Mornings Without Carmen continues on this first day of 2024. Thank you for listening to Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.